Welcome to another edition of Children of Song, the podcast that explores what it must have been like to grow up surrounded by music. For those of you who might be taking this journey with us for the first time, we're speaking with artists for whom making music is as natural as breathing. Some of them are the sons and daughters of music stars. Some of them grew up in homes surrounded by family music makers. Some of them began making music when they were so young that they can hardly remember a time when music wasn't in their lives. But all of them are children of song. I'm your host, Robert K. Orman, and I'm joined by my producer, Brad Newman. <laughs> hey, Robert. Hey, welcome back, buddy. You know, uh, I think today is going to be a fun episode. Uh, our guest today, her her mom, I grew up watching her mom every Friday night with my mother. So, you know, in a way, I feel connected. You know, she's connected <laughs> to her mother. I'm connected to her mother through my mother. Um, but she's got a cool story, and I think it's also a lesson that it's, it's not a given. There's always hard work involved to make it in this business especially, huh? I think so. Uh, you know, a lot of people who are in the business don't want their kids in the business. Cherish Lee is our guest. She is the daughter of Johnny Lee, the world-famous honky-tonker from Gillies. He was the house, house band at Gillies in Houston, Texas, featured in the movie Urban Cowboy, sang the huge theme song from the movie Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. And her mom, as you mentioned, is Charlene Tilton, who was the star of Dallas, a hugely popular TV show. That must have been a trip growing up with those two. Hi, guys. She yeah. Is, your mom is tiny, for one thing. She is, and I call her fun size. And it's very funny how everybody is like, you're so short. And I'm like, you're such a jackass. Like, can, I, can you say those words? It's fine. I'm going to, because I don't have my baby here. So, like, I mute these words at home. But if I have the opportunity, I'll let loose this morning. Get crazy. Um, yeah, so we, we, we do. We call her fun size. And that was a very polite way to put it. Um, but she is, uh, she's an incredible woman. And it was wild because when I grew up watching her on the set, like I had no idea what the phenomenon actually was. And it wasn't until I'm going to say after I graduated high school and the DVDs came out was the first time I actually sat down to watch the show. <laughs> and when she first appears on the television show, you know, she's hanging upside down from the hayloft with this like... 10 foot long blonde hair like yeah giggling i'm like whoa and mom you know, you... <laughs> right. and it, and they dealt with such wild topics on the show i think it was actually the first television series that they had talked about someone who was gay mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. mom was engaged to uh the character on there and he was like lucy i can't marry you i'm a homosexual <laughs> and everybody's like oh Dropping their plates at the TV, you know, in their living room. But how, how um, on earth did an actress on a hit television show meet a country star in Houston? I mean, how how did they two those two get together? They were. Um, oh my gosh, I can't believe he, he's a, a huge gentleman. Uh, well, anyways, I'll, I'll I'll think about it in a second. Like I had I told these. These guys this morning, my alarm clock didn't go off this morning, so I literally am shot out of a cannon, but I will do my best with names. Um, but they were at an award ceremony, and um, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name, but he was a, a big television host. Johnny Carson? Johnny Carson. Wow. You know, I could have picked him? any name and... 
I I don't I think it was Johnny Carson that introduced them. Anyways, so so they got hooked up and got married, and then you came along. Yeah, I'm I'm a product of Vegas. <laughs> what happens in Vegas does not stay there. So it was you. a quick love affair, I guess. It was. It was a quick love affair, quick marriage, mm-hmm. um, and they're hilarious together now. So how old were you when they separated? I think I, they weren't even married for more than a year, two years. Oh, so you really did just grow up with your mom? Yeah, pretty much. So you yeah. didn't ever grow up with them as a unit, you know? Uh, you didn't. You never saw them together no. in a house. Yeah, me neither. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yet, despite the fact that you weren't raised by the musical one, you did turn out musical. How did that happen? Um, well, my mom had remarried when I was two to a gentleman named Dominic Allen. And he, he was very musical. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, and she always took me to shows and musical theater and, uh, you know, when I would see my dad, I would go to the honky-tonk clubs. And so I grew up literally but in like honky-tonk clubs. you did visit with your dad? Mm-hmm. I did, yeah. But I, I wasn't raised by him. Right. So, and it was always this crazy fear of mine, you know, because my dad hated my stepdad and it was just, you know, <laughs> it was a whirlwind. So I was like, what happens if I ever get married and they're in the same building at once? <laughs> but anyways. So you started writing rhymes and stuff when you were quite young, right? Yeah. Tell me about that. It was just one of those things. Uh, I, Bambi bonked her nose on the stone. Bambi bonked her nose on the stone. Bambi bonked her nose. Bambi bonked her nose. Bambi bonked her nose on the stone on her way home. <laughs> Bambi bonked her nose on the stone when she was talking on the telephone. You know, you'd come up with little mm-hmm. things. Kitty, and, kitty rhymes. Yeah, just little tiny things. So my mom was like, you're brilliant. We're putting this on the answering machine. How old were so, you? Probably like four, three or four, somewhere in there. And you're on the answering machine? Yeah. <laughs> My first recording. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I know. I, I, I wish we hadn't... Uh, well, I guess I could put it on my cell phone. My son is 14 months, <laughs> and he's already saying hola and keeps a better beat than I do, so... There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it is Daddy who gives you the first guitar, right? Yes. Johnny Lee, Johnny Lee, being someone who definitely knows his way around a stage. I mean, this guy lived on stage at Gillies for decades. It's I mean, what he does best in life. Mm-hmm. Really, truly. So he he wanted you to to learn the guitar. He uh, both of my parents were very um, supportive of whatever I wanted to do. Um, I remember having a conversation with him. You know, while I was putzing around trying to figure it out, he was like, "If you want to go to college, you know, you gotta let me know so we can talk about sending you to college. What do you want to do? Just figure it out. Let me know." Um, but, you know, I grew up doing musical theater, and I loved singing, and I loved writing, and he did. He gave me a Martin guitar. Wow, not just any guitar, a Martin. Well, and then when he gave it to me, he didn't explain, you know, what a Martin was. So I was like, well, of course, this needs glitter all over it. So I painted, you know, my Martin with glitter nail polish. No. And he was like, what the f*** did you do? And I was like, I didn't know. I just thought it would look nice. It's like taking the Mona Lisa and putting a mustache on her or something. (laughs) I oddly knew you were going to say that. Since this interview, I had a chance to catch up with the legendary honky-tonker, Johnny Lee. And here's what he said about his daughter and that famous Martin guitar. You know, listen, Cherish, she's a real spitfire. Uh, Give me a sense of what she was like growing up. She was... uh... 
my little buddy, you know. We were very, very close. Still are. Whatever, whatever I wanted to do, she was, she was willing. And uh, my, my, some of my fondest memories are living on the beach and uh, putting her in a little sidecar, you know. And, uh, well, it wasn't a sidecar. It was a thing you put on the back of the bicycle, a little hutch thing, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, take a ride to the beach. <laughs> she was my little chick magnet back then. <laughs> you gave her her first guitar, a Martin guitar, which is which is really something special. And she proceeded to to color it with glitter nail polish. What what were your thoughts? What was your reaction to that? Oh, I still get a little nauseous thinking about that. It didn't go well with me, but I didn't say anything to her about it. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't do that to a Martin. You no, know? no. But she didn't know. Now back to our interview with Cherish Lee. But yes. So needless to say, I'm like, you know, it doesn't really matter. We're not gonna. I'm never gonna sell it. It's. Oh, you still have it. Oh yes, I do. <laughs> I also great. have a Fender Telecaster that he gave me, a pink Paisley, and. It's not the edition that was made in America. It's like the very first one that was made in Japan. Ah. So it's still very valuable, but yeah. <laughs> and those are my two. And I'm kind And you're of not a... painting the fender, I take it. <sighs> no, it already has <laughs> glitter. So <laughs> <laughs> Now, you did write your first song on on the guitar, right? I did. Tell me about that. Um it was just I, I, you know, I listened to so many different types of music, but I think at that point I was listening to Ben Harper and I liked, you know, kind of those little plucking instrumentals that he does. And I was just kind of putzing around on it and um, came up with a song called Flash Click Kiss Me. And I think I wrote it in like, I don't know, less than 10 minutes. I called my dad and was like, listen to what I did. And I think to this day that is still his favorite song how does it go um you'll have to pardon me let's see uh take my picture flash click kiss me oh take my picture hurry quick arrest me and take my picture no one will know if you don't breathe the word in now i'll hide the glow but before we, we say goodnight, run your lips across me through the night. You feel me out and feel me inside and drape your body across my hind. Take my picture, flash, click, kiss me. Mm. Anyways, then it goes on, and then it's the pretty second... adult. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Eighteen, I would have been upset. That's yeah, the content. If you were my daughter, I would have washed your mouth out. I know. Well, my dad. Yeah, I think my dad appreciated the maybe the intimacy, the the realism of it. You know, it's not maybe necessarily a typical song that a young girl would write, but. Um, and, you know, it's the, the second verse is, Take my picture so when guilt comes to visit, we'll flick him off and say it was and damn well worth it. Laws defied, we've got everything to hide. But you kiss me once and I'll, I'll kiss you twice. So it's kind of, you know, 
like I said, not a typical song, but I think <laughs> he, uh, it, and it's also not like the exact format of, you know, verse, chorus, pre-chorus, you know, it's not. Yeah. What did you think of his, what did you think of country music at the time? I mean, he's very, very country, your dad. He is. Um, you know, I, <laughs> he was my hero as far as like whoever was in the country music, as far as I was concerned, my dad kicked George Strait's butt. You know, like my dad was, that was it. And I love you, George. But, um, you know, in my eyes, that's that's what it was. And he put on, and still does, he puts on a hell of a show. He's so funny. He's a showman. He is funny. And his voice just gets better. And it was one of those that, like, I remember growing up and watching him and listening to him, and his voice would bring me to tears. You can bet your heart on me. Honey, you can be a winner. So... He is a total pro. I'll give him that. You know, he really is. Like I said, you know, he's he's got failed marriages and stuff. And it, it really is the one thing he was, I mean, he's perfected it. Well, he's when, great. When you say that failed marriages and such, and you alluded to this earlier, that he's best when he's on stage. Is What's he like when he's off stage? What, what are his, you know? Him and I are, you know, I don't know that many women in the family have ever really stood up to you know, my dad, if whatever. Um, but my dad and I will, you know, especially growing up, like we would go toe to toe. I remember I had moved in with him for a, a while when I was starting a band with my brother. And this was actually the moment when I decided I was like, I'm going full force into music. So I went to move in with him and literally start a rock band with my brother. And uh, he has his routine. And I had a different routine. So he'd turn the coffee pot on, and I'd walk in there and turn it back on. And then he'd turn it off, and then I'd turn it back on. And anyways, and ironically enough, him and my mom had the same situation when they were, uh, you know, married, but with the thermostat. And he would turn it all the way down. She'd get freezing, and she'd turn it all the way back up, uh, you know, to where it was warmer in the house. And he'd turn it back down, and he left it there, punched it off the wall so she <laughs> so she couldn't turn it back which was you know and that was just that um but my dad and I he I'm a daddy's girl I just am I love that man um did you start singing his songs fairly early no I, his songs are so I mean I think I try to redo looking for love once and I was just like there's a reason why no one has remade this song first of all it's not a very easy song to sing but it it doesn't need to be redone it has some odd chord changes yeah it does and he's just I mean it's kind of the untouchable can you do it I I mean I could try it (laughs) give it a try (laughs) I spent a lifetime looking for you and single bars and good time lovers were never true. Playing a fool's game and hoping to win. And telling those sweet lies and losing again. And I was looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for
You're listening to Children of Song. I'm Robert K. Orman, and we're visiting with Cherish Lee, who is the daughter of country star Johnny Lee and the famous actress Charlene Tilton. And we're joined today with, of course, our regular guy, producer Brad Newman. <laughs> so good to be here with you, Robert. Cherish, you could have gone in any direction growing up. What led you to what led you to music? I mean, it's not an easy business to go into. You surely knew that, you know, and surely your dad told you that. Yeah, and I and I watched both of my parents be severely screwed over by people, which is hilarious because you think I would have, you know, totally learned. While <laughs> I myself have been totally screwed over in this business, like I've been, people have literally tried to take me out. But um, uh, I did you try other things? Uh, you know, <laughs> I think at one point I had rebelled and started a dog walking company and dated like shitty guys. Uh, but, and I, and I did, and I dabbled in acting and I tried bartending and, um, I'm a terrible waitress. So I figured I best stick to singing and songwriting. So when you made that decision, did your dad offer to help you? He did. He, he opened his home. He's like, come on, let's go. You're more than welcome to come in. Um, and that's when we had the whole coffee pot. Mm-hmm. dispute and it is what it is but um he he is he's so supportive um and the funny thing is I think people could tell you that like I ran into the beautiful Kelly Lang yesterday I love Kelly she's I, a sweetheart she is an amazing woman and I am very very thankful for the people that we have in our lives out here and she's she's one of them um and she told me she goes your dad and your mom but he is so proud of you, and he may not, you know, say it to you all the time, but he, I mean, he, he just glows when he talks about you, and he talks about you all the time. Once again, I had the chance to ask Johnny if he ever tried to steer Cherish away from the business and what he thought of her promising music career. No, I didn't, I didn't try to steer her away. I just, uh, I didn't encourage it either. I just, uh, she's so multi-talented. She'd find her way, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so far, she has. I mean, she she's a great singer, good songwriter. Well, she's a great she, personality, uh, though, huh? I mean, I think that was the thing that I was struck. The oh most. yeah, 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 yeah. Are you proud of her? Oh yeah, most definitely. I'm so proud of what she's become. She's a uh, uh, the mother of the year award, you know, I, I love watching her with my grandson. I love the way she handles herself and I'm proud of her for standing up to those, uh, some of these pricks in the music business, the sharks, you know. Now back to our interview with Cherish Lee. You alluded a minute ago to getting screwed over in the business, which many people do. Your first album was a bad experience, right? First and second, yes. The what second, um, contractual agreements, uh, being bullied into the first one was being bullied into signing this crazy, like, I don't know, I think it was a seven year contract. And I get, I wrote these songs, I don't get any of my publishing. So, you know, it, I mean, didn't you have a lawyer? No, because at that point it was one of those things where um, it was very old Hollywood. Um, hey, let me go ahead and make you this album. Uh, you need this, I'll take care of it for you. So basically you're on a siphon and you're there and your job is to write and to be basically the star. And um, 
you need to sign this. I need this on my desk by tomorrow morning. Otherwise, everything goes away. Got it. And you're, you know, you're young and scared to talk to your dad about it. And because you know what dad's going to say. But then, but then what am I going to do? Anyways, so I learned my lesson there. And, uh, and then the second one, um, it was a l- you know what? I was going to say it, it was heartbreaking when it happened for the second time. However, um, I did get the free and clear from that when I was nine months pregnant. And uh, that's basically how this album came to be because I wasn't going to let anything else be stolen from me. My brother um, had passed away in 2014. And at that point, I really realized that in life there is black and white. There's right and wrong and there's there's a decision. You go this way or you go that way. And um, so when I had that familiar taste in my mouth of being screwed over yet a second time, but in a much worse way that they were trying to take me down, um, I was like, enough. I'm done. I'm putting my foot down. And I um, I succeeded. And that's how this album came to be. I had Basically, $1,500 to put into this album. It's um, not a lot of money for an album. No, because they were they were trying to basically take 50% of whatever I made, even if I had gotten a job at McDonald's. Like 50% of my paycheck was going to go to these people. And um, I was like, but I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that kept my end of the contract. <laughs> but uh, so anyways, I... Uh, I had worked with an autistic boy while I was pregnant and um and I saved the money from that and once I had I was getting to the point where I was too pregnant to continue to do that um got the free and clear when I was 9 months pregnant literally went into labor 24 hours later and when my son was two and a half months old I told my husband I was like I got to do this cuz otherwise they would have stolen it from me. And I'm not okay with that. So I started making calls and everybody out here in Nashville is like, I love you, girl, but you can't record an album in Nashville, Tennessee for 1500 bucks. And I said, well, thank you, but you don't know Cherish Lee. So where there's a will, there's a way and you can accomplish what you can see. And that's kind of, not kind of, that's how I live my life. And um, I had met a drummer in Texas Ironically enough, he he was a part of this show, but he was so good. And I was just, I mean, blown away by his performance and how he played as a musician. And um, I was like, I have to work with you. And he was like, well, I'm moving to Nashville. I said, I'm moving to Nashville. Anyways, <laughs> all of this stuff happened and we had not worked together. And then the opportunity comes where I get to do everything myself, which was very exciting. And I got in touch with him said, Nate, I'm recording my album. You have to play on it. I'm so excited. So I was talking to some other producers and, um, I mean, $10,000, I'll make you an album. We'll get Carrie Underwood's players. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, well, I'm going to let Carrie and her players do them because I'm not Carrie and I, she's incredible. And she's one of those people. I saw her for the first time in concert and I was brought to tears. She's amazing. Um, however, that's not what I do. And so um, they couldn't house Nate's drums in this new studio that was like a possible financial match to do an acoustic album. And anyways, 
I was on the phone with him and I said, I don't even give a sh- if I like record this in the basement. I just want to do my album. He was like, are you serious? I said, yeah. He goes, well, we can record it in my basement. I said, will you produce my album? <laughs> and he said, I would love to. And he had never produced anything before. Um, but he really allotted me the pride of place and power to be mom, most importantly, and to be the artist and singer and songwriter. And he, uh, he took all the time. The title tune is Tequila Cowgirl. Yeah. Um, and that's one of your songs, I take it. Yeah, I wrote I wrote and co-wrote all the – I had co-writers on, on this album. But, yes, they are all – this this album is uh, very personal. It's the last several years looking in. And that's really a crossroads song as well, right? I mean, it sounds like yeah. your career was at a crossroads in getting the second album up. But but talk about the, the meaning of the song. Yeah, it was uh, – Tequila Cowgirl is like the sliding door, if you will. You know, when you make a decision to go one way in life, you know, do you ever think – well, where would I have been if I would have gone the other way? And while moving to Nashville is by far the very best thing I've ever done for myself, um, you know, I, I met my incredible husband here. We got married, got pregnant. I've recorded an album here, a music video. I'm working on a Christmas album. Um, but who would I have been if I would have stayed in Texas on the ranch? Because I loved it there. I miss that lifestyle. Yeah, but if you want to hunt tigers, you got to come to the jungle, honey. That's right. (laughs) And let me tell I love it. And in Texas, I was just being chased by bulls. And that's the truth. (laughs) Scariest thing that's ever happened to me. Sing a little bit of Tequila Cowgirl for me. Yeah, she, uh, uh, she's cool. Uh, She takes her coffee black, wears her grandpa's hat, her boots so well worn in. She's bullseye honest, and she's restless as the wind. She says, you know, men, you can let them in and lead them to the trough. But just like wild horses, they tend to wander off. I like her singing along to Freebird. <laughs> <laughs> she's, yeah, she's fun. Then in the second verse, she cooks for one, cleans her own damn gun. She can stretch out in her bed. Wouldn't mind the company, just hasn't found the right one yet. So That's good. You have a song on this record um, that really, although you initially weren't a country artist, this song really does kind of address real country music. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called This Eight Grandma's Country Song. Yeah, this ain't your grandma's country song. And I, you know, I grew up listening to so many different types. I think, you know, while some people grow up and they know exactly what they want to do, I was definitely one of those uh, hands-on kids. And I tried different things. I had like a rock blues band, a rock and roll band. Um, and the funny thing is, ironically, I would throw in country songs mm. to into these, you know, sets and... 
But it, you know, because I grew up listening to Patsy Cline and Hank Williams and Charlie Pride. And when I met him at the awards, I was just like, I was so excited. Um, <laughs> him and Crystal Gale have been the two that I'm just like, oh, my God. But um, and I'm not starstruck very easily. But anyways, yeah, it, it definitely this ain't your grandma's country song pays homage to country music and where it was and the people who really set the foundation. And then it also pays homage to where country music's at now um, because you always hear people say, ah, it's country music and bro country. And, well, I don't listen to Florida Georgia Line. I mean, they're successful for a reason and people love it. So um, not everybody, but, yeah, it's it, it pays homage to the new and the old. So how's it go? Uh, we're still singing about how to make a living in heartbreak, whiskey, tears. Yeah, we're proud to be homegrown, kicking it back, road trucks and garden beer. Oh, hail, hail, we hail tradition, we jack it up, and that's our addition. My bad, we didn't ask permission. You might not get it, but we hope you dig it. That is you. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's very contemporary. And do you feel that being the daughter of Johnny Lee is a blessing or a curse? Do you feel like you did you ever think about maybe I shouldn't use his name? Maybe I, you know, I mean, do you feel in the shadow of? I mean, he is a big star. He is a very big star. Um, no, and it, and everybody's got a Johnny Lee story. And if uh, they've ever been offended by my father, then oh well. Sorry, <laughs> you know, um, in Texas, he is absolute royalty. He and in that regard, fans have come because of him. Oh, Johnny Lee's daughter. Well, I want to see what she's about. And then when I do my thing, they become genuine fans of mine. Um, country music fans are extremely loyal. And uh, I'm appreciative of uh, of the road that he's paved in that regard, you know, him and I were different, but, um, you know, and I go and I open up for him every now and then we've, my last show of the year is opening up for him, uh, New Year's in Texas. So, Oh, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just in Arkansas opening up for him in Conway. So, um, we have fun together. Will him he give I- you tips? Will he, will he come in there and tinker? I no, not really. And I and I actually appreciate that. He he he'll stay on his bus. He he's seen me and he's he's heard me. And every now and then he'll come in like towards the end or whatever. But I kind of would prefer it that way. Just let me do me. You call him what, Papa Bear? Papa Bear. <laughs> he is, he's a bear. Big old bear. Just because that's what he looks like. Yeah, he's furry as all get out. He is like always was furry. <laughs> <laughs> furry in all the wrong places. You mentioned your son, uh, who is now what, one? Uh yeah, fourteen months. Uh-huh. And you have a song about him too, don't you? Mm-hmm. What's his name? 
Wyatt. Uh-huh. Wyatt Rain Christopher. And all together it means brave warrior guided by Christ. Uh-huh. So I feel like there's uh it's important to have a strong name. So yeah. And so, and so Wyatt's song is for him? Wyatt's song is for him. And it's uh it's it's got a Beatles influence to it. It's not like a typical country song. It's you know, it's a little out of the box, but I didn't really give a shit because it was for my son. <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> yeah. Is it a lullaby? What is it? No, it's um starts off with a cool drum fill. And it's, uh, you guys are going to have to get this album and hear, and hear the music for yourself. And um, But um, yeah, Wyatt's song, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, I just had this picture in my head of this grand ballroom and these angels like pulling the curtains and hanging the chandeliers and people in masquerade balls dancing and people juggling and doing cartwheels and just this fun kind of extravagant atmosphere as my son comes into this world like brand new never seeing things before and I get to experience this human I'm gonna cry I get to experience my baby, like seeing everything for the first time. That's the coolest thing. In- <laughs> it's about like babies. it's unex- <laughs> I know it's really unexplainable. Um, so I tried my best in writing this song, and he's just oh, he's our world. He's incredible, you guys, and he's a good baby. He's so of much more well is. behaved than my dogs. <laughs> But I knew it was a good baby when you said he slept in this morning. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm serious. So for those of you that don't know, literally, like I set my alarm. Well, I thought I had set my alarm clock for 7 a.m. this morning, and it did not go off. And him and I are just snoozing away. And I can't tell if this swollen thing under my eye is from him accidentally kicking me or if it's from sinuses. Because <laughs> he, sleeps, he sleeps so great, and we'll just all end up drooling on his head, and it's just... We're so, yeah, he's amazing. But, um, how does Wyatt's song go? Oh my gosh, there's so many different fun parts. I guess I'll start at the beginning. A very good place to start. Um, ballroom waiting your invitation, heaven sent. Yes, angels hung the chandelier. Pull the curtain, there's certainly plenty of applause. Oh, we're so happy that you're here. And it's my honor to introduce sweet and perfect, marvelous you. Brave heart with a silver lining, and when you smile, everything's so shiny and new. We've never seen anything like sweet, perfect, marvelous you. <laughs> so the song, you know, talks about like be kind to strangers because they're all neighbors, and if you're scared, just picture them in their underwear. Like, you know, it's always just tell all, you. <laughs> all sorts of little fun things, and it's just for him. And he was with me in the studio while I recorded, um, I think for like 80% of this album. And, you know, when the instrumentals were going, he was just, I mean, honed in. And 
it was the one song that he wouldn't sit still for when I was trying mm. to record the vocals. And I was like, well, maybe it's just appropriate then that I hold you. And we, so I, I recorded his song with him in my arms and uh, in the, in Nate Wadan's basement. <laughs> and uh, I'm very pleased with how this came out. The album is called Tequila Cowgirl, and the artist is Cherish Lee. And thank you so much. You're a blast. You know that? Thank you. You are a blast. You really get an amazing personality. (laughs) I think if people were to get to know you and and you can translate that into your music, I think you got a big, big future. You you really, your personality pops all over this room. I appreciate that very much. It's, uh, you know... I, I my husband has done a really wonderful job in just uh, encouraging me to fully be myself on stage because there is something weird about being on stage and recording. There's two they're two totally separate things. Absolutely different. Yeah. So he's like, just do you. In some ways, that's why it took your dad so long. I mean, he made lots of records before looking for love, mm-hmm. you know. But he was always on a stage entertainer first. Yeah. Before he ever figured out how to do the recording studio thing. Yeah, he, um, and I don't know if we have time for this, but he, uh, you know, he always told me, he goes, don't ever try to sound like anybody else. Do anybody else. There's only one Cherishly. Do you. But my dad, and same with my mom, they have very similar stories with how they got into this business. He knew that Gilly was at Gilly's. And uh, he he went up to to Gilly when he was off stage and he goes, Hey man, yeah, Johnny Lee, I opened up for you at such and such place. Uh, but I couldn't stay. I had to go to another, another gig. And Gilly was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Good to see you. Well, my dad was completely bullshitting him. Like this had never occurred. Mm-hmm. And Gilly was like, well, Hey man, do you want to get up on stage and play a song? He's like, yeah, I gotta go, but yeah, I could do a song or two. And that's how, he started that relationship <laughs> just by lying to Mickey Gilly. <laughs> and yeah, and my mom with well, she, perseverance, you know, right? Perse- both of them, and they've taught me that. And um, that's probably why this album, uh, why <laughs> it's even a thing, because I watched them both just go for it. And uh, my mom could not get an audition for Dallas, and it, no one was booking it. And finally, they said, All right, you can audition. But they wouldn't give her a script or anything. She snuck onto the lot and stole a script, came back. I think an hour later, she worked with a, a coach in Hollywood and uh, came back. She walked in the room and they said, if you can walk and talk at the same time, this role is yours. Wow. So. Well, wow. you've got a lot of gumption, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so thank you for being with us. Thank you guys for spending your morning with me. I Good luck. It. Thank you very much. Before we let you go, we want to welcome you to the B-Side. Here's a chance for us to have a little fun and tell one last story. As we were packing things up, Cherish told us one last story about her dad, the legendary honky-tonker Johnny Lee. As you just heard in the episode, when they lived together, they could get under each other's skin pretty easy. Well, here's an example of them taking it to the next level. We were in Texas, and he had opened up the fridge, and he had had, you know, a couple drinks or whatever, but there was a box of Splenda that was in the fridge. And he was like, what the hell? Who, who put Splenda in the fridge? I don't even know. Who does this? And why is this even in here? Oh, I made a big old huff about it. It was kind of funny. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, well, that was ridiculous. So I went ahead and took that and put it on his pillow. 
And then next thing I know, I open up my suitcase and it's in my suitcase. And then <laughs> next thing he knows, he's on stage and I'm not even on the road with him. But I sent it to Aunt Jan. I said, hey, if you could just go ahead and put this on his monitor, that would be great. <laughs> so he's up there and he's singing and he's, you know, he's a couple songs in and he looks down and he just, you can see it when it hits his face and he just loses his right then and there. And uh, the curse of the Splenda. The curse of the Splenda. And then I was there for Thanksgiving. And he goes, he calls me when I get home a couple days later. He goes, have you not worn your boots? I was like, yeah, I've worn them. He goes, you didn't find the Splenda? And I was like, is that what was messing with my foot the whole time? And I take out this melted pack of Splenda that the the dye is all, you know. (laughs) And so the last show that we did, I was like, well, it's my turn. And, you know, you've got like a couple years in between each one. So it's the surprise factor. I open up for him and he's still on his bus. And I said, if everybody would do me a big favor, I'm going to go ahead and put Splenda packets out on your table. And through his performance, if you could just come up and hand him a packet every now and then. (laughs) So literally throughout his whole show, people just come up and start handing him Splenda packets. And he looks at me (laughs) and on stage, he's like, I'm going to kick your ass, girl. (laughs) That's a funny story. That is amazing. So we, we, yeah, that's my dad. The curse of the Splenda. (laughs) Next week, the Rock and Roll and Country Music Hall of Famer Brenda Lee sits down with Robert and I for a wonderful look back at her incredible career. You'll hear how she shared the stage with Elvis and Patsy Cline and even met a young boy band who opened for her in London. Apparently, she was so impressed with the young rock and roll group, she brought a tape back to share with her record label, but they weren't interested. Turns out Brenda was on to something, as that little band known as the Beatles would go on to change music forever. Children of Song, the podcast everyone's talking about. Till next time, I'm Brad Newman. Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.